Hey everybody, thank you for joining the Grace Tabernacle podcast. Our goal is to reach our community with God's mercy, grace, and love with every podcast. We hope it will be inspirational and uplifting in your life. God bless and enjoy the podcast. Verse 1, 2, and 3, Exodus 12. says this, Exodus 12 and 1, if you're there, amen. Amen. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month, somebody say this month, this month shall be unto you, somebody say me, God said, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be, he said, the first month of the year. Then he says this in verse 3. Speak unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man. Somebody say every man. Every man a lamb. God spoke to Moses and Aaron. They had just come out of Egypt. They had just come out of, of, of the place of bondage for 400 years. And God said... We're starting over. I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care what anybody else does. I don't care what their calendar looks like. He said to Moses and Aaron, you tell the people of Israel that this month, to you, don't worry about everybody else. You don't live like everybody else. But to this month, to you, it's going to be the beginning. It's going to be the first. It is a changeover of some things. And so with the help of the Holy Ghost, This morning, I felt the Spirit so strongly this week speak to me this word. I want to speak to you from this thought, divine reset. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, divine reset. I believe God wants to reset some things in our church. I believe He wants to reset some things in our lives, in our walks with Him. I believe God wants to say right now, you can have a do-over this morning if you want it. If you want to let everything else go and start again, it can happen here today. Divine reset. Would you just place your Bibles beside you, lift your voice and your hands unto the Lord and ask Him to minister in this place today. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your grace. We thank You for Your mercy, for Your power, God, that we know is present in this house. I pray that You would touch our lives. I pray that You would open our ears and our hearts to receive and understand what it is that You want to speak into this place today, God. I believe that You want to talk to somebody's heart. I believe that there needs to be a restart in somebody's life here today. And so we're believing right now, God, that you are going to speak that word securely in this house today. You're going to speak that word definitively into our minds today, and we're going to feel something change on the inside, and we're going to thank you for it and give you praise, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Come on, tell your neighbor they look good in the house of the Lord this morning. If there's somebody new around you, why don't you shake their hand and tell them that they look good in the house of the Lord today. Tell them welcome to the the church this morning. God is good today. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Divine reset. Has anyone ever felt stuck before? Come on, raise your hand. You ever felt stuck? 
Anybody ever been stuck? Just about three weeks ago, I got the church van stuck in the yard. I was trying to turn it around, and I forgot it was rear-wheel drive. And I got too far down into the grass, and it was muddy, and it just spun. Stuck. I, I, I've been stuck before. I, I know I, I, I felt stuck. I, I've literally been stuck, but I know many times I have felt stuck. And I know maybe you've felt that way as well. Like you've maybe found yourself somewhere that you really are not supposed to be. You're, you're looking around at your surroundings. You're looking at, at the things that are going on in your life. And, and you're thinking back to the decisions that you've made and the places that you've been and all the stuff that has gone on in your life. And you're looking at your circumstances saying, man, this place doesn't even really feel like it should be on the roadmap." of life. Have you been stuck before? Anybody ever been there? I really shouldn't be here. If I, if I were to look at a map of, of, of life in, in, in the hereafter, I don't even think this place where I find myself right now would even really be on the map of life because I've gotten so far off of my course that now I am stuck. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm stuck. Stuck. One, one of my children's uh, favorite games. I've got three kids, and one of their favorite games to play on the Nintendo Switch is a game called Mario Kart. Anybody ever played Mario Kart? Yeah. I've, I've got to admit that there have been times that we've sat in our living room and we've had parents versus children yeah. races on Mario Kart before. And it's fun. I mean, it's, it's, it's a good time. And, and, but one thing I've noticed about this Mario Kart game that my kids like to play is that there are places on these courses that are, that are designed on these games. And, and if, you're, if you're anything like me, you're not really techie. And so I could not uh, design one of these games if I wanted to. I mean, it's way beyond my scope of ability to design one of the, these games. And so when I begin to look at these games, the graphics that are on these games, when they're going up and down the hills and around and flying out in the middle of mushrooms and all this stuff that is out there. I look at these games and I think, man, the graphics and the work and the, and the know-how to get into these games and design everything the way it is that, is that is so cool looking on these games. But then I noticed one time that as I was playing this game with my kids that I got a little squirrely with the steering wheel and I got off of the designed road on the game. Yeah, no one knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> I got off of the design road on the game. And what I noticed is when I got off of the place that was designed for me to be, the graphics weren't as good. My car just kind of gets stuck out there in the middle of nowhere and the graphics don't look like they do on the course that they have designed. And then I notice this, that, that when I get out there in that area where I'm not supposed to be, that there's this little flying being, I don't even know what he is, but he comes and picks me up and then he takes me back to the place where I went off-road and he sets me back down again and I have another opportunity at that moment to try and win the race again. It's a reset on my opportunity to beat my kids and say that I've got the bragging rights for that evening. And so the truth this morning is this. We sometimes get ourselves in places, whether we realize it or not, where we are not supposed to be. And one thing that we have to realize walking this Christian walk with God is that, as Paul said, we are all in a race 
We're all running a race. We're all trying to get somewhere. Paul said, I'm forgetting those things that are behind and I'm reaching forth under those things that are before. I'm pressing toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus in my life. Paul said, there's somewhere that I'm trying to get. There's a, a purpose in my life that God is trying to get me to fulfill. But sometimes in my own mind and in my own heart and in my own abilities, I just simply get off course and I get into a place where I really not should be and this is the predicament when we read our our text this morning in, in in Exodus chapter number 12 this is the predicament that Israel have found themselves in in the in the verses that we read this morning the scriptures the scriptures tell us that that in, in God's providence he sent Joseph to Egypt in God's understanding in God's revelatory mind that that he is the one that allowed Joseph's brothers to throw him in that pit he's the one that allowed them to have that he actually worked with their jealousy and their discontent with Joseph to get him into that pit and to get him to Egypt so that he could preserve, as the Bible says, Israel later on in their life. But even Joseph knew when, when we come to the end of his life in Exodus uh, 45 through 50 and, and, and Israel has gotten there and, and Jacob is there with his children and they're, they're discussing all of these things, Joseph sits down with his brothers because he understood this is not the place that God really wants us to be and Joseph tells his brothers he says there's going to come a time when God is going to pull us out of this place called Egypt I know that God brought me here I understand that God brought me here in order to preserve my family in order to make sure that we didn't all starve to death and there was a posterity of Israel that would survive I know why God brought me here Joseph said but he said I also understand that this is not where God wants us to stay and so he spoke to his brothers and he said there's going to come a moment when God is going to deliver us out of this land of Egypt and he told his brothers in no uncertain terms he said when the time comes that you get out of this land when the time comes that God delivers us from this place and sets us on the place of promise that he's called us to he said I want you to make sure and dig up my bones I want you to make sure and take me into the land of promise because I don't want to stay somewhere that God has not designed for me to be but the Bible says I believe we can follow this through the book of Genesis and we can find that in the ease and in their comfort those brothers after Jacob died instead of going and burying him and in that moment saying you know what there's bread in Israel and we're going to come back home and we're going to build our homes here and do what God wants us to do here the Bible says in their ease and in their comfort they go back to Egypt and they really outstay where God wanted them to be. Unlike their grandmother-to-be, Naomi, who when her husband takes her to Moab, when there's a famine in Israel, when she hears that there's bread again in Israel, she says, I'm going back home. And, and unlike her, they decide to just simply enjoy the trappings of Egypt just a little bit too long and the Bible says that these 12 sons of Israel they wind up captive listen somebody they wind up captive somewhere that God simply intended to be a place of provision for them he told Joseph I'm going to send you there I'm going to raise you up to where you're going to be in control and you're going to make sure all of your family is taken care of but where God intended to just simply be a place of provision they decided to to make it their home. But God always has a plan 
for reset, even when I mess up, even when I make a mistake, even when I go beyond the boundaries of, of what God has designed for my life. He has a plan for reset. And so we read in our text this morning that 430 years have passed in the life of Israel. Moses was miraculously preserved from death as a baby. We know the story. He's, he's laid in that ark by his mother and his little sister Miriam watches as she places that in the reeds on the side of the Nile River and God doesn't allow the crocodiles to eat that baby boy up but instead he's found by Pharaoh's daughter and he's raised in the palaces of Egypt and then he kills a taskmaster and he flees for his life and he spends 40 years herding sheep for his father-in-law Jethro on the backside of a desert but now Moses finds himself standing before Pharaoh because when he answered the call of God at that burning bush God sent him into the place called Egypt to deliver the nation of Israel out and bring them into the place of promise and at this moment at this moment where we're talking about Moses is standing before Pharaoh and God has already unleashed judgment on Egypt in the form of nine other plagues they've had lice and they've had frogs and they've had boils and they've had uh, hail from heaven and they've had crops die and they've had uh, blood turn or the, the river of the Nile turned into blood and all of these things have happened to the Egyptians and God's judgment is falling upon them but bit by bit the Bible says that Pharaoh's heart continues to be hardened and he doesn't really understand it but as Moses stands before him in this moment the worst of the judgment is still yet to come. God has spoken to Moses and he's instructed Moses and said, I'm, I'm going to pass through Egypt later this night. I'm going to pass through Egypt and all of the doors, all of the homes where there is a firstborn, where there is not a token on the door. I'm, I'm going to come in and the firstborn of that family not protected by the prescribed token is going to die in that house. And the Bible says that God spoke to Moses and told him exactly what to do. He said each family, every man has to take a lamb for his family. Every man has to prepare this lamb in a specific fashion in order to meet God's approval. You can't prepare it in any way that you want to. You can't do it on your own terms. You can't make it happen in the way that you would have designed for it to happen, but it's got to be according to the prescribed terms of the Lord. You've got to make sure that everything is done according to the specific directions that God has laid out. And then he says, when you prepare this lamb, specifically as God has designed you to prepare it, you're to stay in your home through the night. You're not to come out. You're not to go see your neighbors. You're not to go visit. You're not to go check on the sick. You're not to do anything outside of staying in your home. And you're supposed to eat this meal, God said, with your shoes on and with your staff in your hand. You're supposed to be ready to move because God is getting ready to reset some things. And He's getting ready to take you into the place of promise that He said He would. But in order to survive the night, the Lord speaks to Moses and said there must be a token of blood on the door, on the side posts and on the lintel on the top of the door. Moses said you've got to take some hyssop leaves and you've got to dip them in that blood of that lamb that you've drained out before you cooked it and you've got to take it and dab it on the door posts on the side and on the top and he said anywhere that I will find blood when I come through the land 
of Egypt. Why is the blood important, preacher? Because God said, he told Moses in Leviticus, he said the life is in the blood. The reason it's important that we have blood applied to our lives and not natural blood, but the supernatural blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on Calvary. The reason we need the blood of Christ applied to our life is because as Moses said through the anointing of the Holy Ghost, the life is in the blood. And so I stand this morning to preach to you that it's true both in the natural and in the spiritual. If there is no flesh or no blood in the flesh, then there is no life in that body. But I've come to preach to you this morning as well that if there is no blood in the spiritual man that you are created in Christ Jesus, then there is no life in the spiritual sense in your life. And that's why the old song says it this way, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Come on, if you're thankful for the blood, you ought to clap your hands and give him glory today that he shed spotless, sinless blood for your life. Jesus, I thank you. Nothing can change my life like the blood of Jesus. That Passover lamb that they slew on that night, every family that had a lamb of their own, that Passover lamb that, that, that was slain for Israel was simply a shadow of what Jesus Christ was going to do on the cross of Calvary for us. Paul said in the New Testament that the things that happened unto them were done as examples or in samples for us. It was something that we could look at and say, hey, what God did then, he's going to continue to do in the New Testament as well. But what I find so amazing in this this passage of scripture is what the application of the blood on the door did for those Israelites that were in that place called Egypt. God said when you walk through those blood-stained doors that you have put that blood on, when you have done the work to go out and get the hyssop leaves, and you've done the work to slay the lamb, and you've done the work to put the blood on the top of the door and on the sides, and you've stayed in your house, and you've eaten of the lamb as I've instructed you to do. He said when you walk through those blood-stained doors uh, that I told you to put on there, it's a restart in your life. When you choose that I'm going to walk out of this place that has been covered by the blood of the lamb that was slain for me, he said it's going to be a reset for you. It's going to be a time when everything is going to start over. It won't even be the same calendar that you used to live by because it is a divine reset in your life. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place this morning and I come to tell somebody in this building this morning that God wants to do the same thing for somebody in this building today. You've been trapped. You've been stuck for so long in the snares of the enemy. But today, I've come to preach to you. It's your day of divine reset. I've come to tell somebody that you can be different when you walk out the doors of this church than you are when you came in this morning because of the blood of Jesus Christ that flowed on Calvary's hill. I've come to tell you that that blood still flows from Calvary's hill this morning. That blood is still working. It is still moving. It is still touching lives. The blood still flows and it still cleanses lives and it still touches hearts. The blood of Jesus still has power to save our lives. It still has power to save our souls. It has power to transform us from the thing that we no longer desire to be into the thing that Jesus desires for us 
to be. The Bible says that Israel, one family at a time, walked through blood-stained doors into a place of freedom. They walked through blood-stained doors into a place where God said, it's not the same as it was yesterday. It's not the same as it was earlier today. It's not even the same as it was when you woke up this morning. He said, if you will walk through those blood-stained doors, it's going to be a restart in your life and everything can be made new if you'll just simply walk through the blood. I've come to preach to somebody this morning that there is a door that you can walk through that, that brings the same divine reset into your life that those Israelites experienced in their life. This is what Paul said, and it's a very familiar verse of Scripture. He said, if any man, and I stress, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, and that is a beautiful word. Behold, all things become new. It is a divine reset in our lives. He said if any man, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter where you came from, it doesn't matter what your sinful experience is, it doesn't matter what your battle is, it doesn't matter who your mom and dad were or how much money is in your bank account. He said if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Everything that's old passes away and all the new begins to come. How do I get there? What's the door, preacher, that I can walk through to be in Christ Jesus? Paul gives us that answer in Romans chapter 6 and verse number 3. He said this. He said, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. You want to know where the bloodstained door is that you can walk through in order to not have sin anymore? The bloodstained door is right here in this tank. The bloodstained door is the blood of Jesus Christ that is attached to your life when we put you down by submersion in that water and we say in the name of Jesus Christ, the blood that he shed on Calvary flows from that tree and it flows into your life. And the Bible says, Peter said in the New Testament, that every sin you've ever committed is remitted at that moment that word remitted means that it's as if you had never sinned at all the bloodstained door is the baptism that you take in the name of Jesus Christ the waters of baptism are where that blood of Christ is applied to our life it's his death that paid the price for sin again I will say what Paul said that if we are in Christ Jesus not around Christ Jesus it doesn't it's not enough to be around Jesus you got to be in Jesus I said it's not enough to come to church with people that are in Jesus. You got to get in Jesus yourself. It's not enough to know enough about Jesus, but you got to get in Jesus. You got to be baptized in the water to allow the blood of Jesus Christ to be attached to your life. That blood that is shed and applied to your life in baptism is where the divine reset happens in your life. Everything Paul said that used to be is washed away in the flow of the blood of Jesus and you are at that moment standing in the freedom that God has designed for you to live in. You are at that moment when you are baptized in his name and when your, your sins have been remitted. You are standing in that moment moment you've got to get this you are standing in that moment in the freedom that God wants you to live in for the rest of your life 
And so if you're in this house this morning, I'm preaching to somebody. If you're in this house today and you have never stepped through that door of divine reset in your life, if you've never stepped through the blood-stained door of the baptism of Jesus Christ, I encourage you to let this be the day where your life is forever changed. I encourage you to let this be the day where your calendar changes and this becomes the first month of the rest of your life and you are what God has designed for you today. Let this be the day that your life forever changes because there's no time like the present. There's no time like today to start fresh, to let the guilt and the shame of an unforgiven past be washed away in the waters of baptism. Let it begin to melt away in the beautiful reality of God's purpose for your life. For some of you that are in this building today, for somebody in this building today, that's where you're standing. You are on the verge of a new beginning. You are on the verge of something greater than you have ever experienced in your life. You're on the verge of a new reality of allowing this day to be the first day of the rest of your life that God's designed for you to have. But for some of us, for many of us, I fear, we are too much like Israel. You see, the Bible tells us that God had called them out of Israel, or of Egypt, I should say. God had called Israel out of Egypt. And everywhere in the Word of God that you read about Egypt, it is always a type of sin. It's always a type of the life that God delivered us from, the life that God brought us out of. When, 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 when the New Testament talks about being brought out of darkness into His marvelous light, the darkness is Egypt. The promised land is the marvelous light. Always. When we see Egypt in Scripture, it's a type of sin. And so God had brought them out of Egypt and he had given them the destination that they were supposed to go to. He had showed them this is the promised land. He had told them this is where I want you to go. This is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to defeat the enemies and to prosper and to become everything that I've designed for you to do. But the Bible says they could not trust God enough to move on to the promise of what God designed for them to have. There was a land called Canaan that they were supposed to go to. And when they sent their spies out, the spies came back saying it's too big, it's too powerful, the walls are too big and too thick and the men are too tall, they're giants, we're like grasshoppers in our own sight and they were so dependent on themselves that they refused to walk into the place of promise that God had given them to have. They could not trust God enough to win the territory that he had given them. The Bible says they balked at the promise that God had given them and then they sinned in disobeying God when he told them to stay put. This, this is, I'm going to give you a little bit of groundwork. The Bible says God said go. Go and defeat the land of Canaan. Moses instead sends 12 spies. Ten of them come back and say we can't do it. The two, Joshua and Caleb, said we can do it but they don't want to listen to them. And so they say, no, we're not going to go. We don't believe that we can conquer this land. And so God gets angry and says, well, if you're not going to go, then I want you to stay put right here. And he's going to bring judgment on them for 40 years. Well, then when they hear they're not going to get their promise, they say, well, now we're going to go fight. Now we're going to go do what God told us to do, but it's already too late. God said, you can't go. You've got to stay. And so this is what the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse number 42. And the Lord said unto me, this is Moses, Say unto them, this is after Israel said, well, we're, we're thinking better of, of our decision not to obey and now we want to go. God told Moses, say unto them, 
Don't, don't go. Go not up. Don't go fight them. Neither fight, for I am not among you, lest you be smitten before your enemies. God said, hear me, all you parents, let, let me give you a little bit of an example here. God told Israel, I'm putting you in timeout. <laughs> That's what he told them. He said, I'm putting you in timeout. You're going to wander around the desert for a while. But instead of going to timeout and sitting there and, and taking their discipline that God was trying to put on them, any of, our, any of your kids ever doing this? No, 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 I'll go do it now. You told me to clean my room and I didn't do it, so now I'm in timeout. Well, now I'll go clean my room. Well, it's too late. Now you don't get the, 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 the bonus or the reward or the blessing that you would have gotten if you would have just done it in the first place. Well, this is where Israel finds themselves. They're in timeout. God says, no, you can't go. He tells Moses, tell them not to go because my blessing is not upon them. And if they go, they're going to be smitten before their enemies. They're going to lose the battle. Verse 43 says, so I spoke unto them, and they would not hear, but they rebelled against the commandment of the Lord, and they went presumptuously up into the hill. Verse 44, and the Amorites, which dwelt in that mountain, came out against you, and chased you as bees do, and destroyed you in Seir, even unto Hormah. Seir is a mountain that was in that place, and that's the mountain that God said, I want you to go up into that place, and I want you to defeat the Amorites. And the Bible says, no, 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 we're not, we're not going to do that. Israel said, we're not going to do that. We, we think they're too big and they're too strong, and we don't think we can do it. And so God puts them in timeout, and they say, okay, now we're going to go. And so Moses says, God said, don't do it. He's not going to be with you. And so they go anyway and they rebel and they get destroyed, according to Moses, before the Amorites. This was a colossal failure for Israel. This was the biggest mistake they could have made in disobedience to God in doing something that they should not have been doing because God told them not. You say, well, God told them to do it. He did, and then he told them not to. And they disobeyed both times. They didn't when he told them to, and then they did when he told them not to. So they've got two strikes against them at this moment. This is the biggest failure of Israel's history. And so I want to preach to somebody this morning sitting in this building and you're, you're mulling this over in your mind this morning. You're saying, God, what is pastor trying to tell me this morning? What Israel did right here is the greatest sin that you have battled in your life. Whatever that is right now, you've got it in your mind. It popped in your mind when I said that. Whatever your biggest battle is, this is what Israel had just done. Whatever your greatest struggle is in your life, this is what Israel had just accomplished. A colossal failure in the eyes of the Lord. And this is the greatest sin that you've ever dealt with in your eyes. This is what Israel has done. They fell flat on their faces. And then to make things worse, the Bible says that for the next 40 years, they just simply wander around in the desert. And as they traveled that wilderness path, you go home and read Exodus, and you go home and read what they did during that 40 years. They would wander from Mount Seir over to Kadesh Barnea, and then they'd go back around, and they'd just keep going in a big old circle around in that wilderness. But this is what you need to understand. The entire time that they were wandering in that wilderness, they would inevitably walk past that place called Mount Seir where they were utterly defeated by the enemy because of their failure to obey God. 
They just kept on walking past that place of their failure. They just kept on walking past that place where they had messed up. They kept on walking past the place of their biggest mistake in their life. And every time they did, the enemy would whisper in their ears, See, God can't do anything with you. See, God can't use you. See, you're a failure and God will never do anything good in your life. And I've come to preach to somebody this morning that that's what you've been doing. You've been encircling your biggest mistake mistake. You've been encircling the thing that is the biggest struggle in your life. But I've got a word for you today. The Lord spoke unto Israel and at one point after 40 years he spoke to Moses and this is what he said in Deuteronomy 2 and 1. He said this, and we turned and took our journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea as the Lord spoke unto me and we compassed Mount Seir many days and the Lord spoke unto me. Listen to me this morning in verse number 3 and said, you have circled The word is compassed there in the King James, but it means to circle. God said, you have circled this mountain long enough. Turn northward. God said, I'm speaking to somebody in the Holy Ghost right now. You've been walking around your failure long enough. The devil's been whispering in your ear long enough. And I've come to preach to somebody today. It's time to quit circling your failure. And it's time to go forward into what God has called you to be. It's time for you to move. It's time for you to be the, the, the best you that you can be. I'll, 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 I'll adopt the, the slogan of the army, be all that you can be in the Lord. I believe God has a purpose and a design for everyone in this building, and many of us have been encircling our failures for too long. We've been walking around the grave of what used to be our calling. We've been walking around the grave of what used to be what God said he would do in our lives. And the devil's whispering in our ear the entire time, God will never do it. But I've come to say in the name of Jesus, uh, he is going to do what he said he would do. I've come to say in the name of Jesus that God is going to accomplish his purpose in your life. Mount Sierra is your greatest failure since you've been living for God. It's what you've been circling for months and years. And God finally looks at them and God is looking at this church this morning and saying, stop rehashing what was and move toward the promise of what God said he will do. Today is the day of divine reset for someone who has been trapped in a rut of self-condemnation. Today is the day of divine reset for somebody who has been walking around the mountain of your failures for months and for weeks and for years and you've been letting the devil talk to you and tell you you cannot be what God has called you to be. I'm declaring in the Holy Ghost that today is a day day of divine reset and God is saying in this building this morning if you'll just simply lay it down. God told Israel, he said, stop. You know what it takes to get a divine reset? It takes us to stop encircling our failures. All it takes is for me to say, I'm not going to continue to walk around what used to be. I'm not going to continue to encircle my failures. I'm not going to continue to live in that place. I'm going to march forward. He said, I don't think it's an accident that God said, go north. I know it was the direction of Canaan, but it's also the direction of up. (laughs) David said, I will lift mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help my help comes from the Lord today can be the day that you reset everything 
in your life. Listen to the promise of God to Israel on this day that, that he finally said, if you'll just quit walking around your failures and you'll walk forward into what I want to do for you, in you, through you. Listen to what God said, Deuteronomy 2.25. If we do what God said we should do. God said this day. Somebody say this day. This day. When? When I stop encircling my problems. When I stop circling around my failures. When I stop listening to the voice of the devil. This day will I begin to put the dread of thee the fear of thee upon the nations that are under the whole heaven. God said all those people that are in the way of you gaining your promise, all those enemies that are in the way of you getting what I've called you to get and accomplishing what I've called you to accomplish. He said everyone that is in your way on the day that you decide that you're going to stop circling your failures and you're going to move forward into what I've called you to do, I'm going to put the fear of God in the enemy of you. He said, I'm going to put a fear in the enemy of those people that are called of God. And there's nobody that can stand before what God wants to do. Would you stand with me this morning? Divine reset. I believe God wants somebody to have a divine reset in this place today. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus the water's warm we've got robes, we've got towels, we've got everything you need to be baptized in Jesus name, you can have a divine reset in your life, if you've been baptized, you've been born again, you've been living for God but you've messed up, you've failed you've, you've got some failures going on in your life and you've just been walking around those failures and you've, been, you've just been rehashing the past over and over and over again, you can have a divine reset today as well you just got to determine that I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm not circling those failures anymore. I'm going to go forward into what God has called me. I hear the echo of the voice of Jesus today when he spoke to Peter on that revelatory day when he said, Who do men say that I am? And Peter said, Well, the disciples said, Some say you're Moses and Elijah and one of the prophets. And he said, But who do you say that I am? And Peter declared with every bit of revelation inside of him thou art the Christ the son of the living God I hear the echo of the voice of Jesus today saying I will build my church I will build my church but you've got to let go of what was I will build my church but you've got to stop circling your failures I will church and the gates of hell shall not the gates of hell shall not the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church why because he is the builder of the church God is saying right now I'll build your life I'll build your your hope I'll build your dreams I'll build your future I'll build your ministry if you'll just let me do it stop walking around your failures stop walking around your mess ups and your mistakes move on into the promise of what I said I will build my church 